You are listening to episode 20. This episode is brought to you by my new one-on-one coaching program, How to Dominate LinkedIn with Your Personal Brand. In the coaching sessions with me, I will show you how to optimize your LinkedIn profile so that you stand out to your target audience and you give them the messages that you want them to hear so that you attract the customers that you want and deter the ones that you really don't. Secondly, we're going to look at strategic connections and how to get those connections, how to get those high ticket clients that you are looking for. And we're going to also join strategic groups. Thirdly, we're going to work together and figure out your branding and your content strategy so that whether you are with me or whether you move on, you will have a strategy in place that is effective and efficient and dynamic to attract your prospects. And finally, we're going to work together on goals and objectives to make sure you are hitting those monthly goal and objectives for the next year. And if you're more of a DIYer, I am actually starting a wait list to create a class with these core principles in place as well so that you can learn as you go and do it yourself. If you want more information about this, I have a link for it in the show notes. And now we'll go back to the show. In this episode, I get to interview an amazing woman. Her name is Sufit. Sufit, I met on LinkedIn. And like me, not only does she have a unique name, but she really knows how to stand out in a crowd. In fact, she has one of the most effective LinkedIn groups called Step Into the Spotlight. And that is what it is all about how to make yourself noticeable and memorable to the clients and the people, to your clients and the people that you network with. She has gone from doing, she has had careers in, she has had several careers, including being a lawyer, comedian, and coach. You will not want to miss out on this episode. Welcome to the Okiki Podcast, where we make inspirational people known. Brought to you by your host, Fian O'Brien. everyone. Welcome to the Okiki podcast. And today I have a special guest. Her name is Sufit and she does so many things. Uh, She does coaching. She actually runs a very successful LinkedIn group that I'm a part of and is actually quite active. And she has done everything from law to comedy. So I cannot wait for you to hear about her background and to get inspired and to learn what it takes to actually pursue your passions. So thank you so much, Sufit, for being a guest on my podcast today. My pleasure, fan. Yeah, so please uh, 
tell us, how did you find your passion? How did you find the thing that you are now working on today? And what was your, I guess, career path and educational background that led you there? Sure. Well, um, first of all, I think we have many passions. Like, I don't know, you know, people talk about find your passion. Like we only have one, like I have a gazillion. (laughs) So don't fence me in baby. Like, like don't, you know, don't tie me down. I, I don't, I, I, you know, I want the aisle seat. I don't want to be stuck in the middle between the window and the, you know, like I, I want to, I want a window. I want, I, I want opportunity. So, um, okay. So my story, so I was a kid and I used to, um, you know, like other kids, like we'd put on shows. I remember singing with another little girl. I don't know, we were five or six and singing for the kids on the deck and they were down below, whatever. So I've always kind of, you know, liked that. I used to grow up, I grew up watching all the, you know, fun TV shows and thought, oh, one day it'd be nice if I could, you know, be a, an actress or a singer. I never really thought of being a comedian. I didn't really know until I was older, I started getting the comedic roles, like, you know, in the high school plays or musicals, community theater, they would give me like Yenta the matchmaker and Fiddler on the Roof or, you know, like the funnier roles. Right. So I I, I realized then about the comedy part, but it wasn't really part of the plan. Um, And uh, so, yeah, I grew up and I I was singing with, you know, another uh, classmate. And then before I went, went to university, um, we put on this benefit and uh, I went to the local newspaper and I told them about, you know, our benefit and asked if they would write about us. And they did this whole article with a big picture, something about um, singing, the singing school girls uh, graduation may break up their act or something like that. Cause I was a couple of years uh-huh. older than the other woman, uh, girl, I guess at that time. And uh, uh-huh. so we performed together and we got media attention, all that stuff. And then I went to university and I was doing shows, while I was studying, I, you know, fly to Vancouver, or Montreal or whatever, uh, bringing my law books with me. Well, law came a little bit later. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I did that. And then, you know, my parents wanted me to be something practical. In those days, it was like doctor, lawyer, accountant, or you married one. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> if you were endowed in a way that I wasn't. So um, I became a lawyer and I, you know, I was always very interested in law. I was in the debate club, you know, I like mm-hmm. watched like old Perry Mason episodes. And uh, so I became a lawyer and I practiced law actually for 10 years. It wasn't just that I, you know, some people become a lawyer and then do something else. I actually did practice. I had four baby girls, four daughters uh-huh. in four years, just under four and a half years wow. from the first to the last. And uh after the fourth one was born, I kind of had that moment, you know, that Peggy Lee, is that all there is moment and said, you know, maybe now it's time to follow my dream. Um, So I left the law and uh, started pursuing acting and singing. And I put out a music CD called Under the Mediterranean Sky, which, you know, CBC or Canadian as well, you know, played nationally and it got international airplay. It actually even made some top album lists internationally. So, but I had to learn how to market because I was stuck at home with four babies, no car and a basement full of CDs. Right. Right. So I learned about publicity. I learned about marketing. I got a lot of publicity and pretty soon other people started coming to me and say, Sufit, how'd you do that? Like, like, here's the thing. So I would go to, let's say a local folk festival, not local, but like a folk festival a few hours away and perform. And there'd be like, let's say 50 musicians performing at that festival, 50, Mm -hmm. you know, approximately. There'd be one big name that everybody's heard of nationally or internationally and Mm -hmm. 49, you know, small little ones that nobody's heard of. And I was one of the 40. 
<laughs> giant small little ones that nobody's heard of, right? Yeah. So what did I do? I contacted the media before I went to that town. And when I, uh, by the time I hit town for the, for the uh, festival, there was a big article about the well-known international person and a big article about me and wow. nothing else about the other 48. And the other 48 mm-hmm. would look at me and say, like, who the hell is she? Like, wh- what? You know, why? <laughs> and so people would assume that I'm famous too, which, you know, of course right. I wasn't. So um, that's sort of how this all started in terms of being yeah. entrepreneurial, because so so I'm a performer, I'm traveling, but you know, another fellow Canadian, Jan Arden, a, a yeah. hilarious, hilarious singer. Yeah. Uh, she once said that Canada is the only place where you can headline at Maple Leaf Gardens and still have to take the subway home. You yeah, know, it's true. like, we, we don't really have, yeah, a star system here. Yeah, it's very true. So I wrote a book called Step Into the Spotlight, mm-hmm. A Guide to Getting Noticed. And uh, that's the story. Wow, that's so incredible. <laughs> and yeah, okay, so you you really covered actually a few of my questions because I was going to ask what inspired you to become an entrepreneur. And uh, you really encapsulated a lot of your journey. So what was then for you, I guess, because you've had so many different ventures um, and you've been so open to trying different things. What was the scariest thing for you then in launching yourself as an entrepreneur and how did you overcome it? Uh, well, I guess one of the scariest things um, is that I had four little babies, right? And, you know, when you're a lawyer, at least you have a stable-ish salary. Uh, but four little babies as an entrepreneur is challenging. So I guess money was part yeah. of it. It's funny because it was a documentary done about me around that time, a national TV documentary. And they, they asked me a question like that, like, you know, what obstacles, you know, you face. And I said, oh, no, it's all been pretty smooth and whatever. And the guy turns off the camera and said, the producer, director, whatever he was, turns off the camera and says, two feet, it's TV, we need obstacles. (laughs) So (laughs) he turned the camera back on and I, you know, I said, yeah, okay. So I buy my kids clothes secondhand and, you know, I can't take them to Disneyland and all that stuff, which was kind of true. Um, yeah. But uh, and how did I overcome it? Well, I don't know if I overcame it, really. I mean, it was never really, you know, completely secure or steady, but it gave me the freedom that I could be with my daughters in ways that other parents couldn't. Right. Like I could go to their right. you know, school things and um, and, you know, spend more time with them. In fact, I even inspired one of my daughters to kind of follow in my footsteps. And she's kind of um doing what I'm doing now. Um, And uh, so, you know, there are pluses and minuses to it. I mean, you know, you wake up at three in the morning and think, what, what the heck am I doing here? You know? (laughs) Um, But, but then you wake up the next day and you think, yeah, but I'm sitting here talking to you in my flip flops in my place, you know, in the window, like in the, in, in the olden days, I used to have to get up at, you know, crack of dawn, get dressed, get on the subway, go downtown, do my law thing, take the subway home. And then I walk in the door and the babies are, you know, needing mommy and I'm like exhausted. Right. So this way, at least it gave me, so that's a trade-off, you know, you trade the security um, for, uh, and not that anything's really that secure nowadays, but in those days mm-hmm. it felt a little more secure. Um, you trade that for freedom. I guess, and, uh, and, and to buy back some of your own time. So cool. Um, yeah, the quality of life is definitely very real. And 
I also wanted to ask too, what were you hoping then to offer to the industry, given that you have such a diverse background in uh, what you've what you've tried, what you've enjoyed, and what you've brought to the world? Well, it's interesting because, I mean, I don't think of this in the grand terms that many entrepreneurs say they think of it in, right? Like a lot of entrepreneurs sort of that say, yeah, I want to change the world or I want, you know, my legacy or like, I never really think like that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of what I was offering, um, the one thing that I consistently knew how to, like, I never bragged about, you know, I'll help you make more money or because that, like, I don't, truth is, I don't know if I can really fulfill that in all cases or, I mean, you, no coach can, can fulfill anything in all cases, but yes, that wasn't what I, the one thing that I was secure that I knew nobody could ever doubt me on, nobody could ever say to feet, you're a fake on, right? Because they can say that if you make other kinds of claims. Right. The one thing nobody could ever question me on, Fion, is that I know how to get noticed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. There is no doubt about that. Put me in any room at any time, strangers, anywhere. I know how to get the attention, whether it's a thousand people or, you know, or 10 or whatever it is, I know how to stand out and get noticed. So when I finally decided to write a book, well, a book kind of forces you, it's kind of an answer to your question, because a book forces you to crystallize what you know and what you stand for in a way that coaching really doesn't, because as a coach, Uh you know, I could say I'm a business coach or a marketing coach or a speaking coach or a publicity coach, all of which I did say. Yes. Um, And yeah, so one guy comes because he wants to know how to get more publicity. Another one wants to be a better speaker. Another one wants this, wants that, right? Or And some people think of me as a motivational speaker or motivational coach or inspirational, but I never call myself those things. But the one thing when I had to write the book and I thought, okay, I'm not going to be able to go right in the margins later when it's in the bookstore or the library. Like I got to put it in there now and then forever hold my peace. It's done. It's between these two covers and I can't amend it the way I can with, with my coaching practice. So I thought, what is it that I know that I'm going to be content in 10, 20, 30, 40 years that that's what I said. That's what I contributed to the world. And what I know is how to get noticed and I know how to show other people how to get noticed. So whether it's through, the media, which is, you know, kind of unpredictable and changing all the time, or just in a room, you know, when you get the microphone, whether you get 30 seconds or 30 minutes or, you know, three hours or whatever it is, I know how to help people get noticed. And it's funny because, you know, a lot of people also ask me about the confidence part, like, were you always confident or, you know, it works well for you, but I'm not sure it will work well for me. I mean, people say that to me all the time, right? Like if you pay a coach money, you you don't want to just know that they know how to do it. You want to know that if you pay the money that you'll know how to do it, right? Yeah. So so they would ask me that question and I never really knew the answer because I remember years ago making a list of like 10 things I want to do. One was start a business. One was lose weight. One was become more confident. And there were about 10 things on that list. One was to have a dream beach house somewhere in the Mediterranean. I don't have that Mediterranean beach house yet. But yeah. I did lose weight. I did start a business. And I, uh, I am confident. I mean, but it surprises me that I even put it on the list. But I, so I went to a high school reunion. And I saw this woman who was the older sister of a guy I went to school on, a guy I kind of had a crush on when I was in high school. So I or when I was younger. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, so I went up to her and I said, is your brother here? Like, I, you don't know me, but I used to go to school with him. And, and you know what she said to me? She said, oh, I know who you are. She said, she said, when we moved into the neighborhood, you were eight. You walked up to me and you <laughs> stuck out your hand and you said, hi, 
I'm two feet. Welcome to the neighborhood. <laughs> now I had no, no, no knowledge of this. No recollection. Like, <laughs> right. But I've been telling the story ever since she told it to me. Well, today, Fiun, somebody told me another story, like an hour before we're doing this call. I reconnected on LinkedIn with a guy that I went to university with. And yes. I said, are you the same guy that I used to eat lunch with? Whatever. And he goes, yeah. And you know what I remember about you? And he told me something I'd never remembered. He said, what I remember about you is I told you some story about some northern, um, maybe indigenous tribe or something that they have this habit that they'll just like walk into your house with a bunch of magazines, sit down and read the magazines and leave. Right. Apparently he yeah. told me that when I was in university. And he said, what I remember about you, Sufit, is one day you came into my residence dorm room with a bunch of magazines, after I told you that, with a bunch of magazines, sat down, read them and left. Like I have no <laughs> recollection of that. So, so why am I telling you that story other than I'm fascinated because that, I mean, it sounds like me, but I don't have any recollection of it. Is that even at that day, in those days, I like to shock and surprise, right? I like, and that's one of the ways that you get noticed. Yes, um, that is so awesome. And it's good to know who you are in terms of your branding, your personal branding and your positioning. And yeah, I, I would have to agree too. Uh, even on LinkedIn, I, I made connections with a lot of people, but you're one of the people who we had voice message exchanges right away. And you're like, right. I have this group, please join it. And thank you for getting me reconnected with the group. <laughs> oh, my so pleasure. <laughs> and my pl and, uh, sorry, I need to interrupt you for one second. I apologize in advance. I just realized I didn't really answer your question. Because I told you those two stories about how I guess I've always been confident and didn't know it. But what I really didn't answer is about other people. Yes. Right? Like whether they can do it. And so here's what I tell people. I'm not promising that I'll make you into me. I mean, not that, you know, not that you'd want to be. But yes. I can make you into you. And so the you that's inside you that you may or may not be showing yet. That's the part that I know that I can do. I can bring out the color in you. I can bring out the flavor in you that maybe is in there, but you have subdued because you've been in corporate and they squish the life out of you, which happens a lot to people, Yeah, uh, you know, or they, they make you conform. Like in the fifties, all, all the men started wearing suits or forties and fifties. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so that they were kind of interchangeable cogs in a wheel and, and sort of in corporate that we still do that to people. I can help you find your color, your flavor, your humor, and people and your stories. And people have stories. Mm -hmm. No, that's really great. And um, one of the things I wanted to mention too is that Sufi, uh, you've managed to create a very strong um, LinkedIn uh, group. And so I wanted you to kind of like talk about that. Like, how did you develop that? Is LinkedIn the only place where you have a group like that? where people are that interactive and what inspired you to do that? And how did you manage to get people involved? So www.spotlightgroup.biz, spotlightgroup.biz. And you can check out the group that Fian is referring to. Um, okay. So why did I do it? How did, it, how did I do it? Um, why? I had a client years ago who was interested in LinkedIn. She was a little more corporate -y than me. I, 
never liked LinkedIn. That is not my scene. I am like, to me, a bunch of professionals pretending to be more professional. Like, you know, if you, <laughs> maybe to the, maybe even to this day, I'm not sure my profile, but it sh- sure did for many years. My profile under education said that I went to the 19 inch Institute of higher learning, which meant a television, <laughs> right? Because in those days they were only night. Now I should say 37 inch or whatever. But the point is that I, I kind of mocked LinkedIn, right? But she really yeah. was interested. And I didn't have that many connection. So I said, you know what, I always have to be one, two, three steps ahead of my own clients. So I started interacting a little bit more and getting a little bit more, not in groups, but just connecting with a few more people. So about seven years ago, just over seven years ago, it's January 1st, I'm sitting in my home office and thinking, okay, what am I going to do differently this year? And one of the things I wanted to do and still have not done was maybe think about how can I attract sponsors, right? Because if you attract sponsors, you don't only have to attract clients, right? So I thought that'd be a great idea. And I thought, well, the only way to attract sponsors is to have a community that I speak to so that they think that it's valuable to sponsor me because then when I talk, they'll have access to my community. That was the reasoning, that the self, you know, like self-interested reasoning behind it. It right. ended up that I didn't do that. And I'm not even sure if it's really doable on LinkedIn, but maybe mm-hmm. it is, maybe it isn't, but I haven't gone there. But what started happening, so the first 100 people wasn't that easy. You know, I reached out to people that I was connected with and said, hey, I'm starting this group. I used the same title. So my book is called Step Into the Spotlight, A Guide to Getting Noticed. Mm -hmm. So I used the same name, Step Into the Spotlight, for the group. I used the same branding. So it's the same kind of orange mango colored thing with the retro TV set. Um, And I started inviting people and I said to them, we're going to discuss the topics that I discuss in my book, which are, you know, how to get publicity, what to say when you only have 30 seconds, how to market yourself, all those things. Um, So I started inviting people and then more people and then more people. And then I thought, you know what, I had a decision to make. Should I make the kind of group that a lot of LinkedIn leaders do where I'm the only guru and I invite a bunch of prospects? So it's kind of like fish in a pond and then I go fishing in that pond. That's Mm -hmm. model A or model B. Should I invite my competitors, my colleagues, people out there who are doing what I do, maybe with bigger following than me, maybe more experience than me, maybe more credible than me. And I decided number two, I wanted Mm -hmm. to make it more of a destination place. I didn't want me to be the only, and I'm not criticizing people who choose to do it that way, but then the group is really all about them and it's all their posts and that, how guru-y they are. And I Mm -hmm. thought, you know what? So I invited famous people and and a lot of them joined i mean michael gerber who wrote the e-myth and al reese who wrote positioning and all you know uh, marshall goldsmith and like a lot of bni founder ivan meisner like they they um they joined the group and it's not just about me it's about um and i invited a bunch of big mouths to join it too i wanted people to talk i didn't want to be the only voice in there and the other thing is i made rules that people cannot come and preach so a lot of LinkedIn groups are teaching and preaching and speaking and people just showing how smart they are. Well, I made a group where everybody's smart. Yeah, we know you're smart. We know you have a podcast. We know you wrote a book. We know you're a speaker. Don't come and brag to us because we did the same thing. Um, Yeah, (laughs) right. So it's a group where we can talk backstage to each other. We can talk in the green room. And that's why we've got a zillion podcasters in their radio hosts. We've got Emmy Award winners. We've got New York Times bestselling authors. And we have entrepreneurs who want to learn from all those people. So if you're listening to this podcast, and you think to yourself, "Uh oh, Sufit, I'm none of those things. So you're not going to accept me. You know what? If you're an entrepreneur who wants to learn from us, send me a connection request. Tell me why you want to join or just, you know, send a request to join. And uh, there is a chance that we will accept you into the group, a good chance, uh, unless you really are not engaged at all. And then we're thinking, well, yeah, why do you want to be there? 
So um, that's the idea behind the group. And it's now over 11,000 strong. Not huge, wow. but, they, but here's the thing. A lot of the members of our group are leaders of much larger groups. So we have people in there who lead a group of 300,000, 76,000, 162,000. And a lot of them come to me and say, oh my God, your group is more interactive than mine. Like, how do you do it? In fact- It's very I, true. One of, the guys, one of the guys told me that he, his group was dying and he was about to give it up. And he started modeling my group. His group is like eight times my size. And he started modeling mine and uh, now it's come back to life. And, I, and he's an active member of my group. I'm an active member of his. He's become a good friend. So um, that's kind of the story. And, and so if anybody is interested in talking about marketing, uh, that is, that's where we do it. That's so cool. Um, so I guess I wanted to ask too, what, what's your perception then on like the marketing industry, given your unique way of approaching it? And what were you hoping to offer it that would be different than um, what's been offering, offered so far? So I know you said you really want to help people know how to bring out, you know, themselves, their personality, their flavor. And I guess with what you're doing as coaching and with this group, what were you hoping then to further offer the industry that you felt there was a gap in? You know, the truth is, I know they tell you to find a gap, but I don't think there really is a gap in what I'm doing. Um, mm. You know, there are other people who teach people how to get noticed. There are other people who are marketers. I, I didn't really think of it in that way that I have to find a hole in the market. Right. Sometimes when you find a hole in a market, there's a reason that there's a hole because maybe people <laughs> are not, you know, buying that. I, I wasn't really thinking that way. In fact, there are people who say that if you don't have any competitors, you're in the wrong industry. Like uh. that there's a reason that other people have figured out. No, that's not always true. Um, you know, if you can find this one thing that we uh, nobody's thought of, you know, it's worth a try. But on the other hand, it's nice to know that other people are paying money for this thing. And in fact, you know, I mean, look at the book industry, for example, the, mm -hmm. the best person in the world to buy my step into the spotlight book is somebody who just bought another book on the same topic. And mm -hmm. that's why Amazon underneath my book, it'll have Dan Kennedy's marketing book and, you know, whoever else, a few other or in class market or whatever it is, pitch anything. They'll have other competing books with mine because right. somebody who buys their book will also maybe be interested in mine and vice versa. So you don't always have to find a gap in the marketplace. What you have to do is be really great at communicating in a way that attracts people to you, right? It's not mm -hmm. enough to be good at what you do. Better is not better. Different is better. So um, I do it with irreverence. I do it with humor. I do it with, I mean, I, you know, I, I guess I have a little bit of a story. Litigation lawyer leaves law for limelight, you know, um, and that's, that actually was the headline of the newspaper articles at, at times and, and of the press release that I sent out has four babies in four years, leaves to follow that dream. I mean, you know, there are some human interest angles that inspire people, but once people become my client, the reason that they become my client, uh, well, I mean, I have three things that I teach now. I have a core step into the spotlight course. I have a book creation workshop because once my book came out, people said, well, you know, there are a lot of courses about how to write books, uh, but I want a book that's going to help me stand out like your book. So, you know, I, I created that course uh, because people asked me how I got these high profile endorsements. And I created a course on the 30 seconds, like a four week course on just how you, what you say if you go to a, a networking meeting in just 30 seconds. So um, again, that's not really a gap in the marketplace or other people doing it before me. But the thing is, when I went on the networking scene, there were people telling, 
at the Chamber of Commerce Board of Trade, there were people telling you how to do your 30 seconds. And for the first six months that I went to those networking meetings, they told me that I was doing it wrong that I was wearing the wrong thing, I was saying the wrong thing. After about six months and they saw lineups waiting to speak to me every time I opened my mouth for 30 seconds, they put me on stage to teach them how to do it wrong too. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's funny how people could perceive that when it's like, maybe that's just a cookie cutter version they've always been given. Yeah. And there actually could be a better way or more innovative way of, of doing that concepts. So I exactly. I approached it more as like a comedian with a 30 second show as uh, opposed to, you know, you have to have a point, like you have to have something that you want them to do, but yeah. I would, I would make them laugh. I would, you know, and, and, and uh, invariably every time I did the person who stood up after me, went, Oh my God, I got to follow that. Like every time, if I didn't get that, I knew I, I blew it that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, yeah. Very and, cool. and by the way, I have, some secrets I, I mean at the end you could ask me I, I have some tips on how other people can do that as well yeah so I guess yeah um, I'll just give you my last question and then um, I'll I'll give you a chance to kind of share any extra information for our audience here so my last question is what do you value the most about being an entrepreneur the freedom the the freedom, the independence that when I first started my business, um, you know, when I wasn't fully booked every day, I'm, I've gotten back to not being fully booked every day, but there was the beginning where I wasn't, then I did get fully booked every day. And then I thought, Oh my God, where I have no freedom. Right. So I don't want this. (laughs) So now I raise my prices and I am, I'm not fully booked every day and I'm happy about it. But in the beginning, I liked the fact that in the middle of the afternoon, I could go to licks, which was, um, uh, they had hamburgers, like vegetarian hamburgers that I used to sneak into the movies and sit and go watch a matinee in the middle, like to the freedom when my kids were younger to, you know, like to, to, to do whatever I wanted with them, uh, yeah. to take off a week if I want or two or a month or so for me, it's a freedom and the independence. And now, I mean, it was harder in the beginning, but now that I don't see people in person or I rarely do, um, you know, I was in Spain for two months, January and February last year, and I still saw awesome. my clients. Right. So, so so the freedom, the independence, that's what it is for me. That's so awesome. And uh, now I'd love for you to share. Do you have any upcoming events or projects or programs or anything of value that you feel you want to share with my audience today? Sure. uh, Okay. so grab a pen and paper, guys. And I'm sure (laughs) Fian will add the links underneath as well. But um, okay. so if you, you know, you want some free tips on how to stand out when you only have 30 seconds, write this down, go to www.spotlightsecrets, spotlightsecrets with an S at the end, dot com. Put in your name and email, a second form will pop up because we have strong anti-spam laws here. And you'll fill the second form with your country as well. And you'll get a series of tips you know, the first week, they'll maybe be three in the week, and then they slow down to about once every once a week or every 10 days. I have people on that list for years. And I get right. fan mail from that list because people <laughs> actually get clients from from that list. So it's a wow. free list, spotlightsecrets.com. That's number one. Number yeah. two, I've already told you if you want to join the group, spotlightgroup.biz. Uh, number three, if you want to read the step into the spotlight book, and why wouldn't you, um, go to www.spotlightbook.com. .com, spotlightbook.com. That will take you straight to Amazon where you can buy the book or you can get a Kindle version there as well. Awesome. Um, yeah, I think, I think 
that's uh, pretty much it. Uh, well, thank you so much, Sufi. Thank you for telling us your incredible story and journey and just your openness to using all of your giftings. I think that's why I was really excited to have you on the show because you have such a unique background. And I love that you never held yourself back from venturing and trying different things and, and finding out your gifts and talents. So thank you for sharing your knowledge and wisdom and your journey with the audience today. Absolutely. My pleasure, Fia. <laughs> thanks so much Sufi and yeah until next time thank you all for tuning into the Okiki podcast